This is Obscure Music History, an investigative anthology of B-sides and rarities of unpopular music. I'm your host, Tom Hogan. Just a warning for this week's episode, there are several swear words used throughout. I mean, we did our best to bleep them all, but you still get the gist of them. Anyway, it's not that bad, considering last week we used the word fuck pretty outlandishly. Okay, but also, now that we've brought it up, those swear words are also used in the context of adult themes. So maybe if you're listening to this over the PA system at a sports carnival or or just blaring it from your boombox during a breakdancing competition, be prepared for a lot of questions from the young ones. Not that I think children can't handle these themes. If anything, I think we should introduce young people to the language and jargon of adulthood sooner, all in the name of sexual education. That way it's not such a taboo topic as they mature sexually. That seems to be the cause of quite a lot of anxiety growing up, and addressing these concerns and normalising sexual behaviour is a step towards a society where sex is a much less stressful aspect of life. Also, I'd just like to make it absolutely clear that I don't condone being overtly sexual in front of young people, obviously. I think it should be managed respectfully, and it's not just parents who need to be aware of this. I think society as a whole who have to take responsibility, and that begins with the individual, including myself, and that's all. Thank you for listening. Sorry, let me clarify. I don't think this would solve all youth anxiety altogether. I'm just bringing it to light that sex and the way that we, that is adults, talk about it is a part of the network of issues that affect young people. I remember when I was young, there was a lot of resentment towards adults that treated me like a child. This manifested itself in a variety of ways, but basically it strengthened the bonds with my peers, but simultaneously alienated me from the world of adults. Whenever an adult did treat me with respect, I found myself as a young person becoming more confident, allowing me to overcome a lot of anxiety that would have otherwise not have had a chance to grow. I think about this whenever I see someone, you know, talk to babies in gibberish or using that high-pitched voice that's just way higher than normal, and I really don't like it. Sorry, that was a bit off topic. I guess what I'm trying to say is that by censoring too much material and justifying it as though we need to protect young people, it begins to feel a lot like we're actually enforcing generational gaps and a sort of class divide between age groups by making clear distinctions of adult themes that aren't appropriate for young people, and ultimately those distinctions are never clarified. I think young people need to be treated less like young people so that we're all on a level playing field, and actually allows younger generations to be more active in society, especially in the year 2018, you know, where the youth feel marginalised from those in power, and the people I know in their 30s still don't even feel like adults. What you're left with are resentful young people and adults who feel childish, and this is all just reinforcing power structures that never change. If we're to progress as a society to reach any sense of equality, be that gender or race, sexuality, class or otherwise, we need to discuss these things openly. And perhaps you don't think this is a good place to discuss such socio-political views. But again, if we're going to reach equality, we need to be aware of those issues in all aspects of life, even if that means within our favourite meta-comedy fictional music podcasts. I try to make a point of the interviewees in this podcast not being restricted to a gender or race that matches my own. I try to find ways to avoid gender binary pronouns, for instance, and similarly, actively making characters female, since my cisgendered maleness is already inherent in the fact that I am one. I haven't quite figured out the entire political manifesto here, but it's worth pointing out that an undercurrent of this podcast is that even in this fictional alternate history that I'm presenting, the Western music industry still has an overrepresentation of white men. So I have to be aware of my own role in this. I mean, in regards to race, that's presented simply by me not referring to a person's particular race or country, which is the best I can do without openly voicing a person who is non-white, as I feel that's basically appropriation. 
the Barbershop Quartet episode was basically influenced by this struggle, as even the members of the band aren't sure of their own race or how their voice is linked to cultural identity. This is obviously in part because my own limitations are being able to do accents, but this way I can let you know that at the very least I have thought about it. I haven't even gotten into the subtext of my own anxieties of the creative process here, ultimately creating multiple versions of myself who all struggle to find success or even confidence in making their work, where the ones that are the most confident also happen to be the most inept, even when the output is of a decent standard. And even in this world, those versions of myself only get praise and recognition from other versions of myself, to the point where I had to fictionalize an entire crowd in that live episode. When will this stop? Is there actually an audience for this? Is it disingenuous? I mean, I don't feel it is, as I put as much work into these songs as anything I've ever done. Even if it is comedy, I actually find it quite revealing. I originally made this project under a different name entirely, which I thought was like another clever layer of authenticity, but actually by doing so, it kind of confuses the whole thing. So I've settled on using my actual name rather than a moniker or an alias or an alternative persona. This all comes down to my fascination with authenticity and personal mythology, especially in the context of a larger grand narrative of music, culture, and history, which is inexplicably tied to what it means to be human. I guess the bigger question there is, do I know who I am? And yes, but only because who I am is tied up in the search for the answer to its own question. And perhaps that changes for every individual, but in this case, that individual is made up of multiple angles of creative pursuits, personas, anxieties, and a fascination with not taking oneself too seriously. Then indeed, I am that person. It's weird because actually openly discussing this, especially on the podcast, it perhaps suggests that you aren't supposed to take this discussion seriously, and maybe that nullifies any political point I could ever hope to possibly achieve here, but it's more that I don't think these processes should be hidden from the audience entirely, and for those that think these jokes are just random absurdism, it's worth pointing out that a joke can be simultaneously absurd and well-informed. This isn't to say that I'm a saviour of comedy, I think all comedy that has any gravitas can't be tone deaf to any of these issues, at the very least it must engage in the politics of its time. Yeah, um, anyway. Okay, we've run out of time now. Um, I had a special guest lined up and everything. Sorry. Um, well, thanks for coming in, though, Val. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, I flew all the way over here, and I had a lot of interesting things to say about the song, but I guess people can just, you know, sort it out themselves. Yeah, I guess. I guess this whole disclaimer was a bit of a moot point. I mean, now that I think about it, maybe the song wasn't that appropriate after all. But out of context, it's, well, it's probably fine. So, um, well, here's the Val Dormand quintet with Hug Me and Take My Honey. Oh, and there's a trombone solo. And that's, that's pretty funny. I think. Isn't it? Hmm? And now, here's an old-timey jazz song with a trombone solo. <laughs> Thank you. 
Skewer Music History is produced by Tom Hogan. All songs from this podcast are available on Spotify and iTunes. You can subscribe on Stitcher or iTunes Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from. And for more information, visit ObscureMusicHistory.com.